0: Welcome to sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Friday, June 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The World Cup is coming to Kansas City. Wow. Years of dedication to this process by city and sports officials and politicians paid off in a big way with the announcement on Thursday that KC is one of the 16 cities in North America to hold World Cup games in 2026. There's plenty to be worked out, and on today's Sportsbeat KC, star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell discussed everything World Cup. We get into why we think Kansas City was selected and what needs to happen moving forward, including the work on Arrowhead Stadium. Okay, let's get started talking World Cup in Kansas City. I went through the newspapers of the losing candidates for the World Cup. 2026 today. So I was perusing the Denver Post and the Orlando Sentinel and the Cincinnati Enquirer and not out of any kind of glee, uh, a sense of glee or anything. I just wanted to see how they interpreted their um, the decision that FIFA made not to select those cities uh, for, uh, for the 2026 World Cup. And one thing I noticed that was kind of common to all those stories was the city officials and the, and the sports officials in those places saying, you know, we worked for, you know, we worked for two or three years trying to bring this thing to our city. And I thought two or three years, (laughs) Kansas city, Kansas city, uh, was on this thing as early as 2015, three years before, uh, the U S was, uh, was, was presented the given the, the, the the joint bid along with Mexico and Canada, you know, they beat out Morocco in 2018 for this. Um, so I, I thought about that when I was reading your column, Sam, about, um, you know, who, who wanted it more. And it got me thinking too, the Kansas city just went all sec on, on, on FIFA, right. Just means more. Um, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, when, when it's all said and done in the final analysis, you know, one reason you can say that the smallest media market of the 16 uh, to get games is because it just wanted it more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like I wrote, who knows in the end exactly what factor pushed Kansas City over the top? I mean, maybe FIFA eventually says why they selected each city. I, I doubt it. It's FIFA. Um, but they did. You know, Jake Reed, Sporting Kansas City's president, is the one who told us that. That every time they talked to him on the phone, they always said, "Well, no one wants it more than you guys. No, no one's more excited when we call than you guys are." And I think you know that's probably a bit of a tell. I mean, they're the ones who keep mentioning it. It's not like you know this Kansas City bid committee is the one who's who's saying, "Hey, we're the most excited about this." It's FIFA, the one that talked to every bid. Um, so yeah, I think that. It, it obviously stuck in their minds. The question is how big of a factor did it play? And like I said, I think the fact that they keep and keep mentioning it to this group shows that, that they thought it was a factor. I think when a team is that excited uh, or, or when a bid is that excited, a city is that excited about it, you probably have a lot of confidence that they're gonna pull it off and that they're gonna do everything that they need to do to, to make it happen
2: you know you just made me th- think of this oh just to chime in real quick Blair you know Sam and I were talking about this a little yesterday and um that idea you know Kansas City marketed itself as you know the city of heart heart of America heartland all that it just occurred to me this really reflects that uh great Norman Rockwell painting right the the Kansas City spirit or uh I guess it's after the flood where the guy's rolling up the sleeves and going and and uh I think it does speak to that. I love how you put it, Blair. Like these guys are working two or three years. They're, this That's, you know, half the time Kansas city was putting into this, you know, and, and I think we all had a pretty good sense of the man and woman hours being put into it too, along the way. And uh, some of the elements of detail. And um, so I do think i say, I think Sam's exactly right. I, we don't know exactly how that influenced it, but we, we certainly know it didn't hurt. And we're glad that didn't become a, a punchline later, like, oh yeah, Kansas City really wanted it more, but you know, like the old rental car ad, you know, trying number two and not, not making it. And th- thank goodness for so many people that, uh, that, that it prevailed.
0: I gotta think too, maybe in the time that, that I've been here, the more than three decades that I, I've been here, it more often than not, being a uh, being in a bi-state area with the you know the conflicts that occur with uh, you know trying to trying to improve the metro area through each of the Missouri and Kansas governments is not always the easiest thing in the world to do. Right, they um, they all they both have their interests, and you know, how you know every every few years we're writing about how. Uh, businesses are hopping the state line, or being lured to the to the other state uh, with tax breaks, you know, some sort of financial advantages. But, you know, in this case, Kansas uh, and Missouri, and you know, all the all the municipalities in the metro area really had to pull together in a big way. This wasn't going to work without, you know, um, uh, without politicians from both sides of the state lines and at state line and. You know, the, the governor's offices in both states and um, just having to you know the chiefs and the sporting Kansas City just all these entities had to work together as if there was not a state line and we were just one you know one single metropolitan area with one you know under under one flag and I, I felt that that happened in a, in a pretty big way.
2: you know also to your point, Blair, I can't help but think about this in these in these times. I mean, across state lines across party lines um, and I, I think that that probably for our area as you know that probably has to happen uh, for something like this to gain critical mass or or you know it's one hand clapping I mean you can't you can't
1: energize that the, the right way without having all of it. I think what else that you know can often happen in a group dynamic like that is, a lot of people can wait on somebody else to do the work because the group as a whole is going to get the credit for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a lo- there's a few people that did a lot more work than others. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think we all in talking to people know who those people are, but we heard some of those people speak yesterday and they didn't bring that stuff up. You know, I think there are certain people who will know that they really did a ton of legwork to bring this to, to Kansas city. And those people will forever have this as their legacies and, and the jobs that they did to make this happen. Because I mean, this, this is the biggest sporting event in the world coming to Kansas city. I mean, the way that I tried to explain to people, just how significant it is when Patrick Mahomes won and the chiefs won the super bowl, a hundred million people watched that game over 3 billion people watch the World Cup every year. It's like 3.4 billion the last couple. And this will be the most watched tournament because there's going to be 48 teams in 2026. So it's going to be the most watched, the most attended tournament of all time um, in world history that, that's, that's coming to Kansas City.
0: Coming to Kansas City. How about that? Um, how, uh, we all speculated that it was going to happen. Right. For me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, that didn't lessen the the emotion that I felt in the, you know, in, in the aftermath. Just not just watching the celebration at the Power and Light District and seeing the the, the, the joy on the faces of of, you know, the the, the, the officials and everybody else. Um, but just I don't know, maybe it's living here and um, being part of this. You, you, you know, you get, you know, you, you, you pull for your town, right. You, you, you pull for your town and how many chances you pull for your town when they're wearing, you know, chiefs colors or, or Royals colors, or, you know, whatever your college team you pull for, but this was a great opportunity just to pull for Kansas city, right. The city, the Metro area, uh, the state, you know, Missouri and Kansas. And I don't, I, I think that, you know, I got choked up a little bit when, you know, when I saw the reaction,
2: yeah, I'm glad you said. Oh, I'll just say it real quick, Sam. Sorry, I'm glad you said that, Blair, because I didn't want to say publicly that you got choked up. <laughs> but when we talked yesterday, you brought that up. Sam, you said this and wrote it in your column about getting chills. I definitely missed it up a little bit, and I think there is something about it being able to be a sort of uh, unvarnished uh, happiness for the result, right? I mean, it's it's about our city itself. Uh, there's there's no need for a filter about the the showcase this presents the the all these things that you're talking about. so it's it's a weird weird thing as sports writers because we're not you know we're on the other side of the aisle. We're not fans, but you can you can just kind of bask in this even in our curmudgeonly roles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I anticipated being excited about it. I mean, selfishly, I think we all want to go to the World Cup and cover the World Cup, right? Um, So I anticipated being excited about it for that reason. Being out in the environment of power and light, I think, really just added an extra layer to it. I mean, seeing the reaction, that's when I got chills just because it was very genuine. And, you know, I mean, I'm from Kansas City, so I couldn't help but think that, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, power and light wasn't even a thing. I mean, the the... T-Mobile Center across the street wasn't a thing. So, I, I, you know, I mean, this this city itself has just really embraced the growth of downtown, um, and it's it's still, you know, not even close to where these other cities that were picked. Right? I mean, th- we go, we all go to those other cities, and um, you know, it's a much grander scale. But it growing up here, you always kind of felt like you. you I mean, Kansas City had this attitude of. You've got to prove that, that, that you belong with, with all those other cities that, that were mentioned yesterday. And it, it, it felt pretty cool to, to actually belong. Uh, you know, FIFA announced that, you know, Kansas City's part of this group.
2: You know, it, it really hits me that way too, Sam. I mean, it's a sort of the old cliche about the sense of punching above your weight. And you look at our metropolitan size. I, I didn't get to confirm this, but I know uh, somebody had posted yesterday that we're, I think, 33rd largest metropolitan area something like that. and Yeah, in the U.S., right. That That's, I think, Blair, when you were starting to talk about the coverage in other cities, I was waiting for you to say, um, not so much why not us, but why Kansas City? <laughs> that that, there'd be a little bit of that. And a couple of the news stories I read emphasized basically that Kansas City got it, but X didn't. Um, without saying more than that, the implication is, well, how? Why? And, you know, we we have a little sense of why, but. Uh, I think it is a, uh, a wake-up uh, sensation, I think, for those who don't really have a sense of the pulse of Kansas City.
1: I mean, what, what are you thinking if you're Washington, D.C.? Uh, <laughs> you're the nation's capital. Blair mentioned this two days ago that, you know, it's going to be 250 years since the birth of America when this tournament comes around, and the capital is not part of this bid. And if you're, uh, if you are a citizen of D.C., a huge soccer fan in D.C., you have to be saying their their city, their bid took this a lot more seriously than our bid did. If Kansas City is getting this and we're not. Yeah. Or maybe they figured
2: they got the, uh, the 250th anniversary stuff covered with phil- stuff covered with Philly. Um, but, you know, one way or another, it reveals a, a strange deficiency.
0: Well, look, D.C. is a great, great soccer town. It it is. I mean, the original MLS team.
1: um, They used to have all kinds of MLS Cups there. Right. The MLS Cup used to be like the Super Bowl where I traveled to to random sites, and D.C. had a few of them.
0: No, and um, it it is – Vahe, you and I have talked about how St. Louis was kind of an original soccer city in the United States. Washington, D.C., just because of its international – you know, um, you know, presence that, that you know, the soccer has always been important in DC. What killed DC's bid uh, was the, the the you know the stadium and um, and and you know the city and Baltimore, which bid separately, had to scramble to combine their bids a few months ago. And and I don't think FIFA liked the uncertainty. I don't. Um, I, I think that played into a couple of the losing bids. Um, just a little bit of uncertainty. Nashville stadium situation is is part of that but um the other uh and, and so the the 2026 world cup will include a, a a nation a national capital and that is mexico city but it won't include washington dc and there's only been two other world cups in history that didn't include the nation's capital in in playing
2: games wow, so wow. um this will be
0: the third uh
2: but, I see where where FIFA says there will be a fan fest there but i I suppose that's a little little consolation right now to the bid committee and, and soccer enthusiasts there.
0: well, uh, true confessions and a little bit about how how the sausage is made yesterday I had to write two stories in anticipation of the decision one is if Kansas City got the World Cup and one is if they didn't and the lead on the story, Uh, about kansas city not getting the world cup was the consolation prize of you know being a base camp and have maybe having a fan fest but having no games um i think you're right i and listen i listened to the fifa press conference afterwards and the the fifa officials said washington dc will be part of the world cup they will have a fan fest on the mall and um so there is that but it's not the same it is absolutely not the same as having games so
1: Which one was your better story, Blair? Because that's probably what you were rooting to happen.
2: uh, (laughs) It's amazing how many poetry type stories we've all got written that
1: had to get scuttled. (laughs) People say we don't root for teams, but man, when you write two stories, you're rooting for one or the other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, let's take a break and talk about what we think is coming to Kansas City. go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right, we're back on Sports Beat KC talking World Cup 2026. It's coming to Kansas City, you know. And I'm here with star columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. All right, guys. Um there's a there's a world cup to play before the world cup in 2026 um 2022 world Cup is happening in November and December in Qatar or Qatar or I hope by the time it arrives in November that I learn how to pronounce it correctly because I continue to hear pronunciations uh in se- several ways uh is do we have a consensus on that by the
2: way I, I don't know but it, it I'm glad it's not quite the same problem we get with uh, the planet Uranus and the other way it's pronounced um, it's, those are two two that bug me I really want it to be Qatar um, and maybe we can just declare star style on I close
1: this down I, I, I would root for um, for cutter because it's just it's just cool um, but I always say Qatar.
2: Well,
0: we'll get it figured out, um, hopefully by November. Um, which one of you guys are going, by the way? Um,
1: Just going to ask you. Um, I think I think Pete should go. He wrote a really good column about um, his first-person experience going to the two different World Cups, and um, he's obviously able to produce good content when he goes. So I think I think Pete ought to go.
2: That would I'd be- like to see us load up McClatchy one and uh, and – you know, take a little charter over there, but I don't know if that's going to happen, but it would be great to be on the ground there. But I think uh, what will be fun and interesting for Kansas City is I do think I I, I don't know this, but I, I, I would assume that there'll be a lot more eyeballs on it than there might have been in the past uh, here. Just it, it, just because of now a different sort of curiosity.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, falling in the middle of the NFL season too. That's interesting for the, for the first time ever. And the only time because of the, because of the heat, um, in, in the middle East. So, uh, I I think that's a, I think it falls, at least the USA games fall in the, in the stretch where the chiefs are playing LA teams. Don't they play like the chargers and the Rams and back-to-back weekends and, uh, in late November, uh, around Thanksgiving. And I think the, 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 the USA team will play, uh, in in cutter uh then so um all right so what does kansas city have to do to be ready for this thing um let's start with arrowhead stadium sam uh there need some uh the arrowhead stadium that will include chiefs you know the the home of the chiefs for the the next few years at least in the summer 2026 will look a little different
1: yeah, Mar- Vahe actually asked Mark Donovan about that because we've, we've heard a lot about the fact that they'll, they'll have to, like, cut seats out of all four corners to make the, the dimensions right. Um, and Mark Donovan spoke about the, the challenge that that's going to be because that sounds – I mean, when you say it, it's pretty simple. Well, you, you just got to cut, cut out some seats, but um, – the way he described it was it would be every offseason you work on it, then you've got to go back for the Chiefs season, then you got to work on it again the next offseason, then you got to go back for the Chiefs season all the way to 2026. So it certainly did not sound like the easiest of processes the way he was describing it. And I could actually tell by, by watching him talk about that, that he was a little anxious about the process that's gonna, that's going to come over the next four years. Yeah, he used the word challenge like five times. And right. and yeah. Yeah. um,
2: you know, I think we know there's a couple elements to it that we sort of know, right? That the seats it has to be field has to be essentially expanded. And I think I'm not sure if elevated is the right word, but but it's it, the whole thing about the pitch is to have absolute conformity. And I, I seem to remember, Blair, maybe from our long talks with uh Catherine Fox now Holland and Kathy Nelson about um, how that has to be generated—that's its own thing. Um, this is a side point for another for another broader discussion, really. But I, it, it, I think Merritt's bringing up right now that part of the follow-up question somebody asked Mark uh, was about how this affects—I don't know if it was phrased this way exactly—but it yielded an answer to how it affects the future of Arrowhead, and um, Mark sort of spoke to something that I think we've all kind of sensed for a little while that with discussion about the future of Arrowhead already in the, in the wind. um, Now you're talking about millions and millions. I think he used that term, maybe tens of millions, but I think he said millions and millions to get this set this way. And so that he acknowledged basically there'll be discussion about, well, are we going to spend all that money to get it back that way? Or how are we going to do that? I took that as sort of another statement about, that's assess, assessments they're going to be making about both the viability and the approach to the future of Arrowhead, also partly in the context of what the Royals end up doing.
0: Right. Is this going to be the beginning of the transformation of the Truman Sports Complex? Right. Um, yeah. Because I, I think we're, we're we're pretty. I don't, I don't know. We're not hundred percent sure, or like, but kind of confident that the Royals will end up downtown sometime, whether. You know, whether it's before 2031 when the lease expires. And uh, but uh does does this hasten the Royals uh decision to move downtown? Can they start uh, and, and maybe have their stadium built by 2026 so that when the World Cup comes and goes after that, the, the the Chiefs can you know have that space for you know for themselves at the Truman Complex? Is that a possibility?
1: I think I, it's go yeah. ahead to Well, I I definitely think the Royals would like to move sooner rather than later. I mean, the biggest hurdle now is going to be, you know, when you've got a team barreling towards 105 losses, trying to convince this city that it's a good idea to spend their tax dollars on a new stadium. I think that's going to be a hurdle that the Royals have to pass whenever they put it on the ballot. Um, So, you know, I mean, Kevin Hardy and and Mike Hendricks wrote a, a really good story that looked at what the Royals are trying to do and when they're trying to do it. And that there was discussion about putting it on the ballot this year, even at one point. So um, I really wonder if the Royals are going to try and time that to where things with the major league team are going better, because listen, this is a, this is a stadium for the future of baseball. It shouldn't really matter how this year's team is doing, whether or not you want this stadium. I just don't think that's how reality is. I do think people look at how this year's team is doing and their excitement towards, you know, putting tax dollars toward that.
2: And, you know, just a little separate point, but, um you know, the Royals certainly are making a case that uh, they're not able to compete in these circumstances right now. What I what I don't understand fully is the economics of how they might present a case that a new stadium would enable that to be better, right? That's sort of the the pivot point here. Um, we've heard, oh, I think Dayton speak to that a little bit, but only in general terms about, you know, what the financial benefit of this will be, but <laughs> the only part they're demonstrating right now is that they're not able to compete uh, at, at this time.
0: <laughs> Emphatically. Um.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's the strategy, you know, but it uh, seems, seems
1: like they may need to to put up a few different uh, pillars to it. We we always use this line, but maybe they are going with the I can't work like this strategy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't work this way. <laughs>
0: I wonder if somehow the um, the, the the Royals' uh, new stadium and, and Arrowhead improvements will somehow fall um, on the credit card receipts of World Cup visitors to Kansas City in 2026, and having um, people from Argentina and France and Korea you know, uh, with with a tax on you know and, and, you know just a, maybe a one time thing for hotels and restaurants in yeah. Kansas City.
2: Yeah. I think that's a really astute point. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to think in some way, some of this stuff will be funneled.
1: I'm sure that's being discussed. I mean, I don't know if that's what ends up happening, but you know, I'm confident that that aspect has been discussed. Um, but that brings up, you know, the games coming here is just awesome. And it's the number one thing I think we all wanted. I think the base camps are going to change like, Most what Kansas City looks like over those few weeks, Um, because what team what fans generally do is they stay where the team is training, not, you know, they fly out along, you know, they they basically travel with the team, you know, the the team goes and plays and um, L.A., they'll, they'll travel from Kansas City, L.A. and back because that's the way the team does it. And so whichever base camps come here, cause I'm confident at least one or two teams will, will be training at that, that state of the art training center, um, which I was notified. I, I initially called pinnacle cause that's what it was at one. That was like the second iteration. Now we're on the third iteration of compass minerals. Um, but um, you know, I mean like, you know, let's, let's say Belgium comes here or something. I think we're going to see a lot of Belgians and in, in Kansas city and, Um, it's going to be a really cool element because they're going to take on our culture, but we're going to take on a little of their culture too in the process. That's a great way to put it, Sam. I think that's, 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 that's really cool. I keep thinking
2: of it. This is our opportunity to present ourselves, but I've thought about this other part that you just stressed too. I mean, it will be engulfed in different cultures. And um, I think to elaborate a little bit on some things, I think you asked Blair too, I think I don't know how many base camps we could possibly be, but but I know there are, are, you know, schools from certainly within a 60, 80 mile radius that uh, are equipped and interested in holding base camps that have the facilities. Uh, The other thing I think we should expect. Probably, as I recall, more than a month out. um, So we're talking about a good couple months of it being like this are uh, security. Um, perimeters being put up around maybe the whole Truman sports complex, or maybe it's mostly just Arrowhead, certainly around wherever they finally established FanFest to be, which would be, in, I, I suppose it's down to either that Union Station, World War I museum area or the Nelson Atkins lawn. But I bring that up to note that there will be some inconvenience, um, uh, to, you know, the way people expect things to be, uh, the way things usually are, but I, I just think, you know, we'll get more educated on that and hopefully we can educate our audience more on, on what to expect as it comes.
1: That is a good point. Cause I've said a few weeks, a couple of times, but the teams do come early and train and often they'll have friendlies too, um, you know, leading up to the world cup to get it, to get a game in or something. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You could see a friendly at children's mercy park or something like that. Just, just as a tune-up for the world cup.
0: Some things we, we can uh, provide some information on. I, I remember after the announcement yesterday, a lot of people were asking about like tickets and the draw. And so the, as Sam mentioned earlier, it's a, it's going to be for the first time, a 48 nation field. Uh, we know three of the teams that are going to be in that 48 uh, team field, uh, the U S Mexico and Canada as 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 the joint host they get um, you know they get an automatic berth into the field so they don't have to they're not going to have to win through CONCACAF qualifying to get in although all three did this year for for cutter um, the 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 draw for uh you know for, for the 2026 field will happen anywhere from 6 to 8 9 months out um that the, so we're, we're not going to know a bracket until uh, the year of the event, or maybe the, the uh, late in 2025. This year, for the games in November and December, the draw was April 1st. When the U.S. held the World Cup in 1994, the draw was in December for games that were played in June and July. That's when you know what the, what the groups are. Um, because it's a 48-team uh, field, you're going to have 16 groups of three, and um, and then what the two winners will advance out of those groups to a 32 team uh, knockout stage in Kansas City, probably in line for a knockout stage, you know, a handful of group games, two or three, three or four, a, uh, a 30, you know, a knockout round of 32, maybe a knockout round of 16. And as, as uh, maybe as deep as a quarterfinals, we could see a game at Arrowhead Stadium, which would be pretty cool.
1: The, the bracket thing that you mentioned, Blair, is going to be really weird for scheduling. Um, and maybe I'm getting too off track here. But, you know, when you have groups of four like you do coming up in Qatar, um, you know, it's easy. A plays B and C plays D on the same day. And then you get different, different teams playing each other. When you've got a group of three and you've got to kind of wait on one that's just played so you've got an adequate time, um, I, I do kind of wonder how the scheduling is going to work out as far as how that applies to Kansas city. You know, do we get all three teams in one group? I don't know that that's the case. Usually you get all, you know, all, all four teams in one group playing in, in a similar spot. So I think that's what, what could be a lot different. We might just get two of the three and we might get two of the three from a, another group and, and and so on.
0: Yeah. Keep in mind that with the last time the USA was in this thing was in 2014 when it was in Brazil and the, the the US team, which included Graham Zusi and, and Matt Beesler, they didn't play in the same city twice. They they played all three of their group games in different cities and then they reached the knockout stage and lost, but they that was in a fourth different city. So yeah.
1: traveled, uh, traveled more than any other team did that uh, that World Cup. Graham reminded me of that whenever I spoke with him two days ago. <laughs> I think that's still a sore spot for that team. <laughs> you know, you
2: just made me think of this. I hadn't thought about this before. It it will it be by design or only coincidence if a team has a base camp in a city where it
1: plays games? I don't know that they use. I mean, I know that the U.S. did not do that in the year Blair's talking about, which is the last time the U.S. has played in the World Cup because they missed it in 18. Um, So I don't know if, if, if that's avoided because it seems like a, an unfair advantage. I, I'm not sure.
2: I, I'm not sure either. Um, yeah,
1: just hadn't pondered that.
2: I mean, yeah, because it would be interesting. The reason I think of it is, all right, let's say – uh, brazil's here and also playing games here and how much does that become like to your point is it an unfair advantage but also how much more does that uh get kansas city engaged with that country I yeah. mean, if they're you know depending on who they play of course
1: i mean i think the big question everyone probably wants to know is is the u.s gonna play here yeah uh, i i kind of think that would be a little bit of a long shot if they played one of their uh, three group stage games here i mean they they certain certainly have some some fields around the us that they've kind of used for some of their big qualifying matches we often get friendlies i think that's an indication that it's probably a long shot for the us one of the us games to be here
0: i wonder if they'll spread the us in 2026 across one one given one region each right a game in the west a game in the central and um and, and then a knockout game in the east I, I don't know there, there was a reason that they separate they announced and separated them in those regions really yeah. did feel like uh you know an NCAA basketball you know March Madness announcement what's going to happen I, I, I'm pretty sure is teams that will play in Kansas City it will also play it will stay in the region just for travel you know to ease of travel. So. Um, we'll take Belgium. The, if they have a game in Kansas City, their next game likely would be in either, you know, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, which was in the central region, or the two Mexico cities, Monterey or Mexico City. And so I, I just think for, for for the ease of travel for the teams and the fans, the teams will in group stages will stay in the region um, and uh, teams in the east, teams in the west and teams in the central. So
2: um, that was a surprise to me. Maybe you guys knew, knew that. But I didn't. I didn't expect it to be so NCAA tournament like. I thought we were kind of joking about it the other day, but for them to go by regions, I didn't I didn't see that as how it, the the whole field would be unfurled. I just didn't, didn't know that was coming that way.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody knew the manner in which they were going to announce it. Um, Blair makes a really good point, though, because something that's going to be an element at play that really is not as much at play during a normal world cup. I mean, when you take South Africa in 2010, for example, the sheer size of having three pretty large countries host a world cup, um, travel is going to be an issue for a lot of these teams. And you do wonder if, I mean, if Blair's example is right, if they want the U S playing in one of their one region, um, Maybe maybe the U.S. could could train here. I mean, their, their primary training sites out in California. If they're playing out in New York or Boston, I don't see them wanting to, to train out in California before that. And obviously, you know, I always call it Sporting Kansas City's training facility, but it's a U.S. national training center as well.
0: I read this in 94 Um as successful as the event was in the United States with attendance and uh, interest and all that teams complained nations complained about having to fly from West coast to East coast, back to West coast. And, um, and then I think that thus the, that's how we got the region uh, set up that, that we did. So uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And we won't know this. We just won't know the, the, the schedule and the setup for years. So.
2: But Blair, this is, this reminds me, and I, I think, uh, we've, I've read it differently elsewhere, but I think in our conversation with um, the Sports Commission and the bid committee last fall, it, I, I hearkened to that because it, it was a good couple hours. Um, I think the map they showed us or the, certainly the top, the way they outlined it was hotels within a four hour, five hour radius. I mean, we're talking about St. Louis, you know, Omaha, uh, Tulsa is not quite in that range, but I think on into Oklahoma. Um all blocks put aside for this and that's obviously because they expected a, a significant uh amount of base camps uh in the area too it, i mean in terms of the fans following i mean the base camps
0: yeah what did we hear that um uh, when the u.s played Ur- 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 uruguay uh, well, a couple weeks ago right uh that how many fans thousands of fans came up from including you know people who drove you know to know to to be here that's that's incredible
2: so that's like a Kirchhoff style drive you know getting 30 hours and just getting momentum.
0: Cowboy up you know let's just go. (laughs) All right we're gonna have a lot to say about the World Cup in 2026 uh, with uh, Sam McDowell and Vahe Rogorian over the next weeks months years even. How cool is that? Guys enjoy the conversation and we'll do it again soon.
2: Thanks Blair. That'll
0: do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat Kansas City. Thanks to our staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett, and a shout out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights. Today's morning sports edition was crammed full of good stuff about the World Cup selection, the Golden State Warriors victory over the Boston Celtics for the NBA championship, the first round of the US Open, and much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.